Mama too. I'm here to give you the truth about wedding planning, the real process, the real people behind them, and the behind the scenes details you wish you knew about weddings. On this episode, I'm sharing a candid conversation with one of my favorite DJs in the wedding industry. Her relationship-based approach to working with couples inspired me to make similar choices. A professional DJ for over 14 years, PJ Parsons has seen the good and the bad of weddings, and she is my go-to when I need to talk to somebody about the crazy things that we experience, and the super awesome things too. We're going to talk about what DJs actually do for you, how music and emceeing set the stage and the atmosphere and the flow for your wedding, and we're going to share some of the real examples about how people should on you, and we'll explain more about what that means later, but I'm really excited that this is my first time having a guest on. It made a huge difference. I didn't have to sit and think about everything that I was going to say, so I hope that you enjoy this more conversational style with the the candid uh, and open, honest conversations because that is what my intention is, to bring you guys kind of some inside behind the scenes and um, give you a little bit more insight about the real people who help create your wedding. So have fun. So this is the first time that I'm recording with anybody else around. I usually do it all by myself. I will not make any fart noises and I won't cross my eyes at you. Good. Okay. Well, that's helpful. A lot. It also is helpful that you are, <laughs> you're somebody who... You can do no wrong. I, uh, you might hear the dogs barking. That's okay. That's okay. Because Odie likes to practice. So, all right. Welcome to the Planning Gathering Podcast. Um, can you tell us who you are, how you got into the wedding industry, and what you're doing now? Um, I'm PJ Parsons. I got into the wedding industry, actually, um, many years ago, I was doing events, different places, and had a really tough time finding DJs that would listen to what we wanted, which is weird, right? It's pretty simple, but just had a hard time finding DJs, and I was complaining to one of my friends, and her response was, well, why don't you do it? You've always been, you've been an entertainer since you were a kid, you could do it, and I was like, I don't know that equipment. And she just kind of gave me that look that let me know that was a small hurdle. And she was right. (laughs) Um, So started DJing, worked with a couple different DJ companies, tried it all out. Um, Didn't really like their style um, because a lot of them just weren't listening to (laughs) their clients. It was about them and what they could do and showing off their skills when, because I've been an entertainer since I was a kid, it's always been about my audience. It's always been about them. It's never been about me. So I took that approach and it's worked for me for 17 years now, listening to the client and doing what the client wants. I can listen to whatever music I want at home. Mm-hmm. I don't need to listen to the music I want to listen to at a gig. So that's how I, that's where I came from, how I got started. And then, Super happy I did. Nice. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> so, and then now um, you are still just DJing. DJing. I do some day of coordinating. Uh, that's not my focus, though. And if I could talk every one of my clients into hiring a full day of coordinator or planner, I would. And I would just DJ because it's easier. Yeah. Because I can just wear one hat and really get focused. But uh, when I see the coordinating, actually, even though I was event planning before, I was only DJing. But then things were falling apart during the weddings and events I was doing. So then I stepped up to do the coordinating but realized it was a whole lot more work and I shouldn't have been giving that away for free. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's an add-on. 
So, okay. yeah, but the DJing is where that's what I really like. And the emceeing. Oh, yeah. I love that part a lot. So tell us about emceeing. <laughs> uh, so almost every single wedding I do, I have at least one guest or someone from the venue or another vendor ask how I'm related to the couple. Are you an aunt, a cousin? Who are you? How do you know these people? You're obviously family. And it's just reflective of my MC style that I, I talk to the guests like they're my friends. And I talk about the couple because I do. I, I really adore my couples. I get to know them and I really care about having their day be amazing. So I think that reflects in the way I talk to them and their guests and just simple things like when people come up to do toast, making sure they feel comfortable because not everybody likes speaking in public, which I'll tell people straight up. I don't understand that fear at all, but I do have other phobias. So I understand what it feels like to be scared of something and not be able to control it. So the I'm seeing is what I love because that's how I really, I get a lot of compliments and how I make everybody feel like they're all part of this big day. Yeah. So what goes into your work? What kind of time or um, energy and money investments do you do to, you know, to build up the equipment that you have and then for each individual couple? Hmm. Nah, there's no money or anything. You just go do your thing. I'm just kidding. Uh, So the equipment, geez, 17 years. So I don't know how much I've spent but it probably averages out. It's a, it's a easily probably three to five thousand dollars a year in upgrading, making sure I've got the best of because there's no there's no do over on a wedding day. Mm-hmm. Your stuff better work. So I make sure I always my equipment is always in really good repair, and I always have backups, which can be expensive having the two of everything. Um, and time, it really depends on the couple. Some couples have a good vision of what they want and we sit down with the packet about the music and we can kind of go through there and I might help a little bit here and there have suggestions, but some couples are just very clear and other ones really get overwhelmed. So I will actually take the focus off the planning packet and just have them talk about what concerts they went to or have them talk about, you know, if I know they've got a dog, I make them tell me about their dog or a camping trip they went on and just kind of distract them a little bit and then bring them back to the packet and you know what kind of music deals do in your car that kind of thing to kind of calm them down because it can be overwhelming Mm -hmm. to see this list of oh my gosh I have to pick 30 songs that I'm going to dance to in front of people or I'm going to dance with my dad ah so sometimes it takes a little bit longer but I bet for hmm, probably 20 to 40 hours per wedding per couple put in ahead of time that's before I'm ever even stepping foot in the venue and then there's sometimes where if I haven't been to a venue before, I always go tour it at least a couple months ahead of time and have the venue person walk me through. And so I can ask questions that I don't want my couples worrying about whether or not somebody's electricity is good yeah. or if they pop circuits or, um, well, this window always blows cold air kind of thing. My couple doesn't need to know that. So I'll walk through so I can ask questions that if someone doesn't know all the information about what a DJ needs and all of a sudden they hear these questions that might make them feel like might make them stressed. Yeah, so, definitely. I try to keep my I want my couple to know as much as they they need to know, but I also have no problem protecting them from stuff they don't need to know. Okay. 
So yeah. Um, so with that, like twenty or so hours that you're doing, what what other tasks are you doing um, on the DJ side of things to get things set up for their wedding? Um, I'm always listening to the new music coming out. So I'm checking on different stations and going through like iTunes and what's popular on YouTube and, you know, digging through the computer a lot. But then also a lot of times my um, radio's on and I'll switch from different stations and I try to do like the top five at five or whatever on different stations to hear what's coming in or what's being overplayed. Mm -hmm. Like if I have a radio on all day and it's on the same station, I hear the same song eight times in a space of a day, well then I know I'm probably not gonna be playing that song because my couples want songs that they're, most of my couples want songs that their guests will recognize, but they don't want the stuff that's overplayed. Yeah, oh, I get so, that. Um, so I'm listening to a lot of music. Uh, I do have a couple DJs that I'll talk to about, you know, what's what's hot. Um, and then just, I do, a, I, I read a lot about what people are doing at weddings and um, what's like, what's, what trends are coming in going out, which a lot of them I don't agree with. Like you see blogs that are like, oh, people need to stop doing this at weddings. Why? That's cool. Yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> like... Or they say, they, they talk about like favors. I am, I am not pro favor. Um, <laughs> give me a bumper sticker. <laughs> um, because a lot of times that's that's the thing that you see, you know, they maybe made 150 of them and there's 50 left at the end of the night and that's money that they could have put towards their honeymoon. Or time on DIY projects. Right. Which sometimes I have had couples use favors as a way to distract people who are maybe trying to hijack their weddings ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Like if they've got a family member who is shooting all over them and saying, you should do this, you should do that, let me do this, let me do that. You can say, oh my gosh, auntie. In my whole life, I've wanted special ribbon roses. Would you be willing to make 150 of those for my wedding? And then all of a sudden, (laughs) auntie feels very important. And boy, is she busy making those 150 ribbon roses. She has something to point to day of to say, I did that. And she's out of your hair. Yeah. Because a lot of times people know, I just gave you busy work. Because you're driving me crazy. So, um that so then a favor has a whole different use (laughs) yeah and some people will take them but unless it's something really oh i have a couple getting married next october and she's from vermont her parents are making mini bottles of maple syrup those are going to get picked up heck yeah our people around here are gonna they're gonna love that yep and so when she talked about the favors she said something i said really is it you know she didn't have didn't tell me what she's doing for favors and I said a lot of people aren't doing those. It kind of ends up being like a waste of time and effort and money. And just and then she told me, well, this is what we're doing. I was like, oh, well, that's amazing. So when they come up with something that you know the guests are going to take, that's great. Or but, that's like purposeful and intentional in telling their story. Yes. Like that obviously is a part of oh, history and her story. Oh, that is so part of, yes. So that's important to make it be, because back in the 80s, they did a lot of like Jordan almonds and those buttermint things in little mesh bags. Or you do like potpourri. At my wedding yeah. in 1988, we had these little potpourri net things in a little silver plastic bell with a ribbon that said Mark and PJ. And it was the date. And um, we didn't get a whole lot of those left over. But I only made like maybe 100. Um, but I had those in every drawer in my house for probably 10 years. So I did have a few left over. But that's what you did. And me doing this potpourri was like way cutting edge. 
And you think about now people do, oh, we're doing the special tea blend or we got the special coffee made or we're doing beer steins. I had one couple yeah. that own a, uh, a brewery and he actually created a specialty beer for their wedding. Yeah. And so everybody took that home. I mean, we had a couple of them. So yeah, if it, if it reflects on them and it's something really special, it's great. But if it's just going to be another candle or, you know, you really want to think about it and whether or not that's where you want to spend your money. Or in time. Yeah, in time. Yeah. Yes. So you talked about like shooting on the couple. <laughs> so explain what that means a little bit and how you help guide your couples away from the, the people who have probably good intentions oh, but are shooting all over. Oh, I hate it when people should all over. It's such a mess. Um, so it's when you have, like you've got the mom who is, say, in her 50s. And when she got married, her mom took over her wedding and did it the way she wanted it done. Because when her mom got married, her mom took over the wedding and did it the way she wanted it done. So there's this generational thing that happens. And so there are moms, especially if it's late 40s, 50s moms, that are going, but that's how it's done. I have to do this. This is for my daughter usually. And this is what I'm supposed to do. So I have to tell them, well, you, you should be wearing white. You should walk down the aisle to here comes the bride. Um, I'm sorry. People can do that and there's cool versions of it, but you just don't do that so much anymore. If it's the right couple, if it's the right person walking down, here comes the bride is appropriate, but don't tell someone they should walk down the aisle to it. They walk down the aisle to what makes them happy. Mm-hmm. Um, or the moms that, well, you you should do a rehearsal dinner and these are the people who should be invited. Well, you just blew up that list and cost the rehearsal dinner now is triple in cost. Um, you should do a garter and bouquet toss, but do it traditionally. You you know, those things that they're saying, you should do this. Why? Who said? Because the, And so what I tell my couples when they're kind of getting that, well, my mom says I should do this. My grandma says I should do this. My best friend says I should do that. I'm getting all these people shooting on me. And so then I say, it's your wedding day. This is about the two of you. And it isn't even really about your wedding day. It's about day two and forward. Mm-hmm. It's about you being married. So let's think of your wedding day as a reflection of the celebration that you found each other on this giant planet with 7 billion people and you found each other. And you're saying, I like you enough to want to stay with you till I die. That's big. Mm-hmm. You think about that. That's huge. So it's like buying a parrot. They live 75 years. You better really like having a bird. <laughs> you know, let's see the magnanimous of this. Um, so I let my couples know this is a reflection of you. And the only thing, the only thing that makes somebody married is verbalizing it in front of your officiant and two witnesses mm-hmm. that are over 18. And then signing that piece of paper in front of that officiant and those two people that are over 18. That is the only thing that makes you married. Not dressed in the dress your mother wore in 1988, God help you if that ever happens, um, or wearing blue shoes because everybody in your family always wore blue shoes and they got married, or whatever. That's um, just... Yeah. Unless it's important to you. If that's important to you, like, right. that, that's totally But that's the but reflection not, of them. Exactly. Not because it, you were told that like that's what you should do, or you can't get married unless you do it this way. And it's like, guess what? Yes, I can. I mean, I, I, and I'm probably pretty good at explaining to couples that you don't have to do what other people are telling you to do because our first, when Mark and I first set a date and we're going to get married, 
I tried on all the white dresses in 1988. Just Google them. No, I've seen them. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, the ruffles, the puffs, the... Those dresses wore us. We didn't wear them. <laughs> That's a really good way to describe it. <laughs> you, you saw the dress. You didn't even see the bride. So it wasn't me. I kept getting put in these dresses. And I was young when I was getting married. So I had all these older people telling me what I should be doing. You should do this. You should do that. We had our original date set for July 16th. And end of May, I, Mark and I called it off. I'm not going to do it. I'm not getting married in that church I know nothing about. I don't want to have my reception where my brother had his reception. This is my wedding to Mark. This is about me and him. This isn't even really about you guys. And so I had two very dear friends of mine who are like my substitute parents growing up who just happened to be a seamstress and a tailor take my measurements and say, do you trust us? And I explicitly, silly question, of course I do. Okay, give us three weeks. Well, I went back in three weeks and there was this gorgeous sapphire blue gown hanging um, on one of their, their big hook doorways. And there was some other you know stuff around the room. And I walked by the dress and I looked at it and I said, oh, I would love to get married in blue. That would be so amazing. And they both just kind of like sparkled all over and went, well, that's great because you are. Mm-hmm. And they were like, who says you have to get married in white? We've only really been getting married in white. Not that long. No, not at all. This century. Or this, no, well, not this last century. Yeah, because it's we're in the next century yeah. already. <laughs> um, so I got married in sapphire blue. Mark and I, and then that was the thing. July 16th came along. We still wanted to be married. We put everything together, got married July t- or September 10th. So eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And put it all together for us. And um, yeah, there's a few things I would have done differently, like hire a different DJ which is another reason why I'm so, like, the DJ needs to know what they're doing at a wedding. Um, but it was still ours. And we're, you know, we're going on 30. We're over 30 years, so I think oh, we made a good choice. Definitely. <laughs> you guys are great. So me. I just, I let couples know. I've been married 30 years. I got married in Sapphire Blue and kind of told everybody, I need to do this our way, not your way. Yeah. And it was okay. So what was some of the uh, feedback from the people who were shitting on you about your wedding that you received? Um, you're super young. You have no idea what you're doing. Uh, if you're not going to do it our way, you know, the marriage is not going to last. Acting like the way you did your wedding day affected your marriage. It's like, mm, unless you get super drunk and like get in a fist fight with your spouse, I don't think it really affects your marriage, but okay. And that, I mean, yeah. Or, I mean, or if you're being shooted to, or told you have to spend a ridiculous amount of money and you're right. into debt. And that was wedding. another piece that they were not impressed because we really did it. We didn't spend much. I think our entire wedding beginning then was like $2,500. Nice. And um, so but they, you know, you really don't know what you're doing was a lot of what I got. And I actually had, my mother called me up probably two months after I got married and said, even though it wasn't done in the right location, meaning a church, or with the right person marrying you, meaning a priest instead of an officiant, because uh, we got married at a gal's house who was all set up to be the officiant. We got married at her house and then we moved. We went over to a, um, a hotel with uh, the event space that we rented to do the reception. And she said, and the words weren't really what any of us were hoping for, because she wanted it to be more religious. And that just isn't Mark and I. That's just not who we are. She said, I would still love to get a copy of your vows and I'll write them um, in calligraphy for you so that you can frame them on your wall. So it was kind of this backhanded, 
yeah, I guess you did okay. And now I kind of want to show some support, even though that day, I mean, there was, I have some interesting people in my family. So you, I, I was being told, God, you, honey, you're just so pale. You're so pale. And I just don't know if that dress is that flattering. You look awfully heavy. So it's like to be told you're fat and pale on your wedding day is kind of amazing when yeah. really all you want people to do is tell you that you look amazing. And I look at my pictures, I look like I was 12 years old, but I think I look pretty darn good. I'd love to look that way again. Come on now. <laughs> so, and Mark had no complaints. And I think that's the only thing that really mattered. So they were upset that I was in blue. They were upset that I walked, I walked down the aisle to um, water music by Handel because I was not going to walk down the aisle to hear come. And that was, nobody walked down anything, but wedding march yeah. or ave maria so i was just kept doing things but i just want to be married to mark yeah. we were just trying to make the day and we wanted to celebrate with people but it just kind of worked out that some of the people we were celebrating with couldn't get over the fact that i was not listening to their shoulds yeah and it's kind of an example of my whole life really go ahead and shit on me all you want but mm, i'm pretty much do gonna, my own I, thing i kind of do my own thing i'm just more comfortable that way yeah so i think that so i i use that to let my couples know, I didn't listen, and things are much different now. There's a lot more leeway in weddings now. So I didn't listen, and we're still married, because that was the point, yep. was to be married. It's not about your wedding day. It's about being married. So should is dumb. <laughs> I agree. So besides the, the expectations and the pressure that mm-hmm. people in the industry and like social media and Pinterest oh, put on couples I now, like what's Pinterest. something that you see happen repeatedly with couples or weddings that you have been at that you just don't like and you'd love to see change? Um, I've already changed a couple of like garter toss and bouquet toss um, that people do traditionally where you're picking on your single friends that can go away as far as I'm concerned and never happen again. When I do a garter toss or bouquet toss, uh, I either get everybody on the dance floor. I don't care what your gender is. And we do the bouquet on the garter and whoever catches catches. And I tell them it's good luck for a year or it's good luck for their favorite football team. <laughs> Cause around here, I don't know if you've heard, we've got a football team. People have a thing about. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's a thing. <laughs> it's- um, <laughs> the, so that's one thing that, because they, it has, so we have all these traditions that we just automatically do. Without thinking about the history of them. Right. The right. garter toss one bothers me so oh, much. If you, if you don't know, the garter toss started as people used to go witness, like your family used to go follow you out <laughs> from your, your reception bed. to your wedding bed and watch you consummate your marriage and somebody would come up and physically touch you and grab a piece of your clothing to bring it back out to the party that's still happening to show everybody, hey, look, guys, they did it. It's official. It's official. That's gross. So those of you listening, if you just felt the need to vomit, that's okay. Yeah. Because we feel the same way. (laughs) So garter toss, I've tried to change that to be more of a fun thing, a good luck thing, because people like the pictures, but you don't have to, you know, do that. Um tradition that way uh the cake smash is another one that started very sexist it was the groom you know allowing the bride to be childish and then cleaning up her mess and ugh, please help me i really having family or guests forget that it is about the couple and try to make it about them just it actually causes me like physical pain it gives me a stomach ache and a headache because people should be able to set their egos aside for one day to celebrate the fact that two people found each other. And 
whether you, and if you don't approve of two people getting married, don't show up to their wedding and eat their food and eat their cake. Just don't. Definitely. You don't get free stuff. Holy cow. So if you're there to support them and love them and be there for them, do it. If you're not, don't go. And that's something that I uh, uh, talk to couples about when they're uh, putting together their guest list. Yes. It's like, don't invite those people. Uh, Yeah, you feel obligated to it. Yes, you're feeling pressure. But if you would not be comfortable with them being the only witness of your wedding, don't invite them. So my daughter got married six years ago and... She was kind of, not by me, but she was kind of getting pushed to invite people that she really didn't know, but their family, you know, it's like cousin type things. And her response was, if I wouldn't recognize them walking down the street, I'm not inviting them to my intimate wedding. Right. And I was like, oh, that kid's a genius. I'm using that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Because really, if you wouldn't, because a lot of times my couples are, well, my, my dad wants to invite all of his people from his office. Do you know them? Well, no, then I guess dad's going to yeah. cover that part that makes it bigger. And did you explain to your dad that weddings and marriages are no longer a business contract between two families or two villages? Now it is just between those two people. Yeah, you're coming together and the family is bigger, but it's not the same. Marriages are really about the couple now. Yeah. Things are changing. People aren't, that's another reason why that whole bouquet garter toss thing is, let's pick on your single friends and then act like being married is the end all be all of existence. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. It's not. It's amazing if you can make it work, but there's a lot of really happy single people or people that just want to cohabitate. They don't want that piece of paper. Right. So we need to, you know, and I think it's going to keep changing because as, you know, our generations keep going and we're seeing things shift and... And that kind of thing. We're pulling away from people who, you know, we, we know there's people alive, got married in the 60s, got married in the 70s, or, you know, so they're saying, but this is how it's done. Not anymore. And it's okay. Yep. And the divorce rate is not 50% anymore, by the way. People love to quote that. It's not true. We're at like 40 or 35. Right. Just because FYI. people are they're married, married who they actually they... like. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mark's Mission. super lucky I like him because there's days I don't love him very much. But I like him, and that is his saving grace. So I'm just saying, you got to marry who you like. <laughs> and I've asked my couples when they, like that four to six week mark, you notice that your couples kind of get wound up. Freaking out. Whoa! Oh my, we're just going to go elope. Oh no, you're not. You can't get your money back. <laughs> and besides, I'm planning a great party for you. So you're not eloping unless you're taking me with. Well, okay, so that's a good lead into the next question. Because you talked about like the fact that your dress being made, like you had some these people say... Let's take your measurements and do you trust us to make yep. this happen? So finding people who can put your wedding together that you trust oh, because so you have found these these professionals who like that's their job. They spend a lot of time and money learning and and um, just perfecting their craft and getting to know you so mm. that way they know that what they're gonna the work that they're gonna do is going to match what your story is. Um, you are going to trust them. Yeah, right. Okay, so that's what I was trying to say. You find those people who you're going to trust, and then you give them your like. Here's here's what we're hoping for. Here's these this like vision. this vision of what we want to make happen, and then you can step back and allow them to do the work, and then you are not necessarily going to be panicking closer as the day closes in. Like 
is everything going to work out? Um, because you know, like I'm going to show up and it's going to be awesome because I found all these people who I trust. So connecting that in with the fact that you started in the, as a DJ, because you found a lot of people not listening to what the couple's vision was. Couldn't trust them. Yeah. Because it was about them, not the couple. How does having a professional and specifically a DJ who, um, who pays attention to your story and who who pays attention and listens to your vision and asks you questions, how does that change um, or benefit or improve the wedding day of the right couple? So when a DJ listens and truly knows their couple, like really knows them, they're going to be able to create a day that is like nobody else's day. Because there is a certain attentiveness that entertainers have that and yeah DJs are entertainers but there's an attentiveness a way to to read people and read a crowd that you can respond a DJ who has paid attention and really knows their couple they can respond in ways that can't be planned so putting that putting your heart and soul and passion into really getting to know this couple and caring about what their day looks like, create something that couldn't be created otherwise. Can't just be created by, hey, tell me what your favorite song is. Even though sometimes those songs, boy, that it sends you on a, a pretty good fun list. <laughs> you know, um, you find out a lot about people when you find out a favorite song is, you know, Prince Ali from Aladdin, maybe. <laughs> uh, or they're huge, you know, well, my dad, we always listen to 70s and my dad loves Rush. Okay, that tells me something about the music you listened to when you were growing up. So not only can I do new stuff, but I'm going to be able to do some old stuff that's going to make your heart happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to slip it in between other things. So it's that really caring and setting your ego aside, because as an entertainer, yeah, you got an ego. I don't deny that I have an ego about what I do, but it's putting that ego kind of on hold and transferring it to my couple is most important that really makes amazing things happen. So when you were asking earlier, this ties in together, you were asking earlier about things I don't like seeing, not being trusted, usually my couple, my couples trust me. I spend enough time with them. I let them get to know me, I get to know them, but being micromanaged by other pieces, other family members, or um, back in the day when I was first DJing and people didn't really know me that well, there would be other vendors who tried to micromanage me. I actually had a caterer once who came up and asked me for my microphone because she thought I was doing it wrong. And um, I still deserve a bunch of gold stars for that day because I was so polite about, no, what, what do you need announced? Because she wanted everyone lined up all at once. Oh, God, no. Yeah, I know. Which I've never had anybody do that before or since. So it was weird to me. But she wanted everybody lined up. And the reason I was waiting, releasing any more tables or doing anything more was because the parents, the moms of the bride and groom were walking up to the food. And I was not putting anybody in line before them. Mm -hmm. And we were running a little bit ahead of schedule. It was okay that it was going to be an extra three minutes before I announced it. And I had told people... I'm going to get the parents fed. Moms are on their way. There's plenty of food. Everybody hang tight. We got this. So the guests were all fine, but she came up and actually, give me your microphone. Hmm. 
I would be more apt to let someone dig through my underwear drawer than hand them the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) You know how expensive those things are? Yeah. yeah. Well, besides the fact the expense, it's like, you talk on the mic, you have now reflected on me, my company, and my work, which as a DJ, if I don't have my reputation, I've got nothing. Because I'm not a cake baker that you can taste my cake. You can't try on the dress I've made. You can't ride in my limousine. You can't see my flowers that I've already done. You can't see some examples of the photography. It's like planners. You can't test a planner either. You have to go by their reputation and what other people are saying. So that is And the, vi- the vibe that you get with yes. talking. So how, what are some things that uh, couples should be looking for or asking of, uh, of vendors or DJs specifically that they're looking for when they're shopping? Sometimes the asking for that's you know, you can ask somebody if they're going to how they go about picking music sometimes, but I think it's more listening to when the DJ is the DJ telling you you should do this? Is the DJ shooting on you? And is the DJ saying, Well, this is how it's done? Or is the DJ saying, Tell me about your day. Tell me about you. I mean, I've I've had couples that want me to play bluegrass. I've had couples that you know, the the bride spent a semester in the Caribbean and wants me to play soca music. If I'm going to tell them, no, this is the way we do it, I would have missed out on some really fun opportunities to not only learn new music, but see what happens when you play that kind of music with the right crowd. So, and I've had other couples, oh, I hate bluegrass. Well, I don't play it that much. It's okay. You have to ask for it. <laughs> um, yeah, the, so that's it, is, is seeing if the DJ is asking the right questions and asking about them and not tell me your love story. That's not as important to the DJ. It's more tell me your music likes and dislikes. What radio stations do you listen to? Just kind of really digging and then responding to the answers in a way that shows they're listening and them not saying this is really how you should do it because there is no set way. Like I said, getting married is that piece of paper. The DJ is in charge of celebrating that piece of paper. And I take that pretty seriously because everybody celebrates differently. Yeah. Not everybody wants a huge sweaty dance party to hip hop. Um, some people want to make sure that all their older guests are getting a chance to waltz. Um, or, you know, there's line dances, country line dances that they'll, they, you know, we have to do this on our wedding day. So listening and responding in such a way that shows that you're listening, Yeah, I think is really important and not because I have heard and. I guess there's DJs out there that will hand the couple a list of like 200 songs and say, pick off this. Yes. And that's what you that, get. I, I see that all the time. And then I, I see so much of the shooting on and to the point where it's like, for me, I am my couple's advocate as the coordinator because yeah. I don't always plan their wedding for them, but I come in as they, they've planned it. And then now they're in these final stages where all the vendors are really talking to them a lot, especially the DJs. A lot of the times the DJs won't actually talk to the couple very much until like the couple weeks before the wedding. No, 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 I know, know, I know, I know. That's the problem. I'm like, oh, I'm out. Out. What? But <laughs> I have couples getting married in 2019 that I'm checking in with just to say, just an email saying, if anything's come up, you need any help or you. Did you find your first dance? How can I help? Yeah. It's just a quick They're little, not just I'm another date about, on your no. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, I quit if it turns into <laughs> yes. I ever start acting like it's just another I'm just doing another wedding. I'm done. I'll you tell just you. 
Let me know because I'm done. No, <laughs> but, I. So, it's, oh, but no. they give them those questionnaires <laughs> where it's just like, okay, here's a list, pick from this. No, or they are like, okay, so here's how you are going to do your toast. Nope. And then, so one experience that I've had with the DJ. <laughs> oh, that kills me. You're killing me. <laughs> was I died a little? My couple didn't want to have a structured toast. They wanted to have a set time for open mic, which is not normal. You An usually, open mic can be rough, but. As a DJ, you explain to your couple, if you're going to do open mic, you better be ready for anything, and you better know that it's going to take more time than you think. Right. And that's... And that's, if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. That's what I was explaining to the couple, and they were like, yep, we're cool. I was like, all right, sweet. Uh, but this DJ persistently sent emails and phone calls. The emails were multiple paragraphs, like three to five paragraphs, each one, over and over again, saying, no, you don't do it that way. And that just stressed my couple out so much that I had to tell this DJ, don't contact them again. You talk to me. You don't talk to the couple because I had to be the buffer. And so I see that and I experienced that with a lot of different vendors. And that's kind of like really changed the way that I approach like who I'm going to recommend because because flexibility. There's no way I'm going to recommend somebody who's not flexible in doing what the couple wants. Because it's not, and you can recommend. Like I said, if someone says I want open mic, then I say this is what happens with open mic. And if you are willing to, if you understand the parameters around this open mic, then I got you. But a lot of people, I'll explain to them how open mic works, and then they go, oh, wait, maybe we don't want open mic. Yeah. So So that's, but no, it's not, it's not up to, we can, we can suggest to our couples, we can guide our couples, but the bottom line, it's their wedding day. And if you don't feel comfortable doing what they're asking you to do, you shouldn't have taken the gig. Yeah. And you should have gotten to know them well enough to know. Yeah, so and before booking is a really important step for me as a coordinator because it's like I'm such a personal uh, service. I'm I'm really up close in the action of all of the vendors. Oh, I've seen you under dresses bustling. I've seen you right. Up yeah, I go up skirts and no fix jokes. fix things. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but so I take it very seriously, and I think that every single vendor should like I. If you go onto my website, you can really, like, you can get the vibe almost instantly, or at least I hope, because I, like, work really hard of, like, is this person somebody who's even worthwhile contacting or not? Because I don't want to waste your time while you're searching. I want to be respectful of your time, and I also respect my time, and I don't want you to waste either of our times having conversations if we're not even close to the right fit. So when you're in consultation with Mm -hmm. a couple, what are some red flags and not just you but like any vendor or I mean any DJ what are some red flags that the couple can be looking out for that it's not the right fit and because I want to also help you know the other DJs out there who maybe don't um, just haven't grasped that concept yet but like what are some red flags that you would look for in a couple who's not a good fit for you so red flags for couples to look for um would be, like I said before, about DJs telling you what you should do or they're just not listening and this is how we do it. Like being like, no, this is my formula and I can't wiggle from this formula. Well, that formula might work, but it's not going to feel like your wedding day. And so that's one. To be fair, that could that formula could work for their ideal couple. Yes. Which is, yes. That, that's, the, that's that whole concept right now of like, let's connect the vendors with their, with their ideal couple. couple. Right. So if someone just comes in and says, this is the pattern, this is the timeline, this is how I do it, and that feels fabulous to you, go for it. Yeah. But there's a difference. I mean, I can even say, this is my pattern, this is what I do, but there's flexibility in there. So it really is 
getting the vibe on, you know, if someone feels inflexible or like they really, if you don't feel that click, because you spend a lot of time, your DJ's on your mic. Mm -hmm. The DJ's talking. They're setting the atmosphere. They really are. So if the DJ is going to play the completely wrong music, or if the DJ is going to say things on the mic that don't work, then that's kind of important. So you want to make sure the just the vibe of the DJ, just the feeling you get when you talk to them feels good. And if it doesn't, trust your gut. You should always trust your gut on, on hiring your vendors. Uh, so red flags there. Red flags for DJs when you're talking to a couple. One of the things that, and I've done this in the past, when I'm sitting down with a couple and say it's a, a guy and a gal getting married and the gal is so focused on her dress and her makeup and her hair and her day. And that's all she's talking about. It's all about her, 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 me, 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 me. And then anytime I direct a question to the, to the guy, it'll be like, well, he doesn't, doesn't even care about this. He'll just show up that day. That's not my couple mm-hmm. because that's not, that's not the vibe. And I've had, oh, I love my grooms. I have had some of the coolest grooms. I've had grooms that turn themselves inside out and backwards because they're picking the flowers and it's the, the flowers that they want their bride carrying. I mean, it just, uh, it gets me all like verklempt. <laughs> um, so I'm, when I see someone who it makes it just so much about them, meaning that one person rather than the couple, that always sends up a red flag because the times I have booked those, it's not a good day because I spend the day really wishing that she would just be nice and she's not. And then the poor groom feels like it's not even, he's not even part of the day. And it is, it's both of their wedding days. It's not just her getting married. So when the bride can't figure that, that's hard for me. And other times, um, if parents, sometimes when the parents show up with the consultation, it's really fun. And then they get to meet me and then we all get along because a lot of times I'm right about the parents' age. So they'll see, oh, it's a grown-up in charge. Because they're expecting to watch in and meet the DJ. Number one, my name's PJ. So if they haven't looked at my website or don't know of me, they're expecting to meet a dude. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not. So, surprise. (laughs) Um, uh, Same surprise when I was born. My parents are expecting a boy. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! Um, So then usually the parents are pleasantly surprised that they're finding someone who is they consider a grown-up, which then they get to know me and realize that's not really the case, but too late by then um but when i get to know in a not professional way yeah yeah. just your personality yeah just me um but finding out that the whole family is super fun i have one family in particular that was i've been married three four years now that i met with the bride and the groom and both sets of parents and i don't know if i've ever had more fun Mm -hmm. we just and we got to talk about the day and they've been together forever like they met when they were like 15 or something like that and um it was just the whole vibe was like, oh, I want my family to be like this. They were just really fun. And I knew they all kept talking about what the other ones wanted. So at that meeting, the bride and groom were talking about what they felt their parents were interested in seeing that day. And then the parents were talked a lot about how important it was for the kids to get the day they wanted. So it was just this really great vibe of everybody was supporting everybody else. And it was, and it was an amazing wedding day. Whew. Uh, knock it out of the park it was amazing but it was everybody was supporting everybody else and they trusted me when you don't micromanage me and you trust me and you give me the information i need man home run amazing because i know what i'm doing i can read a crowd i just and i need to be able to feel like because it's so important to me to have it be a good day 
that if someone's micromanaging me, I'm second guessing myself. Right. And if I start second guessing myself, I'm going to start making mistakes because I'm so worried. Well, they're watching me. Ah. When really, just let me do my job. I'm good at what I do, but you have to give me give me the tools I need, and I will create. I will build what you're asking me for. Yep. Give me the tools. Give me the blueprints. Not only am I going to build it, I am going to dip it in gold. Absolutely. <laughs> so as we're wrapping this up, let's just cover one thing that we probably should have talked about in the beginning, but we yeah. just we're so good at flowing in yeah, conversations, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. Um, so how does the music and the DJ and the MCing affect the atmosphere of the wedding? Think of a song that reminds you of someone who passed away and how that makes you feel if you hear, if you hear it on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like it tingles. Right. Think of when you hear, when you specifically hear the good, good. My wedding song. My your wedding song. song. Yeah. I've seen you in public. When that song comes on, you get this big grin on your face and you are transported. So music matters because it, it's, there's memories that are created. It's kind of like when you smell something, it reminds you of somebody. So we were talking about that earlier. Oh, apple turnovers and cigarettes? That's childhood, 1977. <laughs> so you're, when you hear this music, it creates a response in you. So my job is to play the music that creates a response that makes you happy, that makes you feel good, that makes you just glad to be alive. And there's a lot of music out there that does it, but it's all different for different people. I mean, some people, I play country all night and they are on cloud nine. Other people, if I played one country song, they would be, you know, storming the booth. So, uh, it's, it's my job to create that, that makes you feel good. So the music matters. Even I've had compliments on my background music, the stuff I play during dinner that it makes people happy and I'm not playing dance music, but I'm also not playing your typical background jazz. Usually I'm playing stuff with intention, right? It's not just to have to throw it in there. It matters to me. And I've talked to my couple and ask them, you know, do your parents have favorite genres or music that they love? Are there certain artists that, you know, they're into? Which, of course, every once in a while I hear, oh, my dad loves Jimmy Buffett. And I got you covered. <laughs> I think I think you do. <laughs> I think I might, just a little. So it just, I know that I have a responsibility because I can make or break a party with the music I play. And there's been times when certain things have happened on the dance floor. It was just going great, great, great. And I'll turn around to my assistant and I point to my palm and I'll go, they're right there. Mm-hmm. Do you see how they're right there? And he's like, yeah. And just kind of stands there and watches like, she does this. I'm not sure how. And it's, it's the, just... The feedback loop and the planning and it ahead so that there's intention and purpose and a reason. Yes. For everything. And knowing that I might not like a song. That doesn't mean that it's not going to work for this group. Like, I've had groups insist, Macarena, <laughs> help me. But I will have, and I always, sorry, the bride or the groom, bride's grooms have to ask me. I will not play that song just because a bridesmaid asked for it. It has to be a specific request from the couple because it's a little bit cheesy. <laughs> but there are times, yes, I've played it because the bride wants it, and all of a sudden, She's out there with 30 of her gal friends and they're rocking it because they're remembering being in middle school together. Who, who doesn't want to love that? It's just like that thing we did on the songs that you're embarrassed to admit you love. Yeah. There's a blog that, yeah. um, and let it go. 
is yeah. one of them. Oh, yeah. Which I should hate that song. I really should. Because I do some kid events, and mm-hmm. that song, you know, drills into your brain. But I love it because of the response that I have gotten times when I've played it. Where I get, you know, daddy's out there on the dance floor with, you know, maybe a six-year-old little girl, and he's singing at the top of his lungs to his daughter. Who's not going to love that? So it's the response and that, that memory that I just helped create. That's a big deal. Yeah. No, they're not going to remember I played it. I don't care. I want her to remember at six years old that her daddy sang her favorite song to her. That's huge. Who doesn't want that memory to lock away in a bottle and be able to pull it out whenever you need it? So that, just paying attention, playing the right stuff at the right time, and trusting my gut a lot of times. Because there's been times I get requests and it's like, "Mm, that's not going to work, or that's super inappropriate. My most recent has been the couples that want unedited hip-hop, but then they'll have these super straight-life ceremonies and lots of praying and stuff during the toasts and it's super religious and then they're asking me to play music that's dropping some pretty bad words and I always feel so uncomfortable and I try to talk to them about it well what can we hold that off until the older people leave no and a lot of people no it'll be fine they won't mind right because they're not looking at you they're looking at me so sometimes I get put in the kind of awkward positions but that sounds like a, that specific wedding you just described sounded like them having a wedding that wasn't them and that wasn't their thing that that was like a what's expected of them and then they wanted the party to be theirs yes and that and a big part of that was here's the face we show our family now all you family need to go because we got to put our real face on with our friends that sucks which was really hard for me yeah because i was still trying to figure out that was a couple that it was hard for me to get to know them because i never knew which face i was talking to because they would do their very religious this and then the next thing you know they're asking for you know he, he was a huge Kanye West fan which should have probably tipped me off right <laughs> I didn't know it till they booked me so so I have one last question for you um so let's let's think about the the couples here who are working with a budget like your wedding and my wedding of mm-hmm. like six thousand and under who can't afford to hire a really good professional what are some tips or some questions that are um, a good lead-in to help them figure out their music playlist and any tips that you have to help them make their music a part of their day? So they still need to have somebody in charge of it that they trust. So you find your cousin or your friend or however you're going to do that. Or if it's an inexpensive DJ, but make sure you see some reviews that say that that DJ is actually going to show up because DJing is not a cheap thing to do. So if someone's too inexpensive, you wonder what their equipment is, whatever. But say you rent the equipment and you got to have somebody set that up for you that knows it. You're going to need a microphone so your guests know what's going on. Just have someone you trust to talk on the mic without dropping any F-bombs in front of grandma. And think through the list. And I've had people, I haven't had too many people who have had a lot of success with iPod type weddings, but you could do it. If you created those lists, like you had your your pre-ceremony list, and then you had the ceremony list already in order, but you had somebody in charge that would do next, um, then your background music of what you want playing in the background, and then have a separate list that's your official songs, first dance, father, daughter, mother, son, cake cutting, if you're doing bouquet, garter, those kind of things, have it be a completely separate list so it doesn't accidentally play during your background or dance, and really take the time Like I'm saying, I spend 20 to 40 hours, a huge portion of that is creating those lists because every single couple, each one of my couples gets their own playlists 
I don't recycle my list. Yeah, there's songs that'll duplicate, but every couple has their own list. So they have to be really aware of how they're creating their list and then listen to them. Mm -hmm. But then also have somebody kind of in charge. So if a certain kind of music you have on your playlist is working, have them do some, you know, shuffling to make sure you play a little bit more of that. And if you think you're going to have three hours of dancing, you need at least five hours of music on that thing. So you can pick and choose. Yeah. So it can be done. Um, I wish everybody could just, I mean, I wish I could, you know, well, I need to just go win the lottery so that people can say, well, this is my budget. Yeah. And then I can say, okay. Oh yeah. I want to do that too. Yeah. Oh, I want to work for everybody. That's yeah. Why. That's <laughs> or like a... everybody who, who is my vibe and who, yes. who wants the type of weddings that I work well. Like I've totally also had that. couples that originally will say we just can't do it mm-hmm. and then they'll come back and say we shaved a little here and shaved a little there and shaved a little here and talked to our parents and they kicked in and we want you if so, it, yeah if it's a priority to have that music be yeah. part of your atmosphere because a lot of people don't understand mm-hmm. um how important it is until you actually kind of explain it to them and i've explained it to people and said that's cool but just let me talk you through what it's going to take because no not everybody can afford me and I, I'm sole proprietor. I'm it. Mm-hmm. So if I'm booked, I'm booked. I don't double book. And I don't go for the highest bidder. You know, it's like once I'm booked, that's the day is off my calendar. So I try to help people, you know, and talk them through. And this is things to look for. And um, if you're going to hire a different DJ, these are things to ask them. And, and it's interesting kind of some of the times the questions I get asked. Mm-hmm. What do you wear at the wedding? What do you want me to wear? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, do you drink at the wedding? Uh, no. Unless I've had couples that are like, you're doing the toast with us. Okay. I'll drink a little champagne with you. Whatever. Um, I've had grooms every once in a while. They're like, you have to do a shot with us after the ceremony. Okay. Twist my arm. Whatever. But I'm not sitting there getting drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, so having, you know, I forgot where I was going. <laughs> it was important. Oh, the questions that people ask. Uh, if I take breaks. Well, no, I'm not a band. This is not, yes, it's physically, you know, it takes a lot out of me physically, but I'm not, the music doesn't stop. I don't stop. If I walk away from my booth, my assistant's in the booth. I don't leave it unattended because that's a nightmare. I mean, I got, that's a whole other, that's a whole other show you ever want to hear about the uh, nightmare weddings I've done. But yeah, the booth is never unattended. I'm not getting drunk. I'm not hitting on your bridesmaids. I don't do that. Or your groomsmen, whoever, whatever. Um, yeah, I'm there to do a job and put everything I got into it. And that's something I really try to make sure my, my couples understand because the DJs don't have the best reputation. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to repair that one wedding at a time. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for being my first interview. Um, just, I don't think I did this in the beginning, but PJ is, I call her my other mother. Um, (laughs) She and but I, not the Coraline other mother, a good other mother. Well, I kind of like the Coraline other mother. <laughs> <laughs> I've never put buttons in your eyes. She's my, she's my wedding industry mom because <laughs> I've kind of always gotten the vibe from the beginning of working in the wedding industry as a coordinator that like, oh crap, there's some stuff about this industry that I freaking hate. And she's my, the sounding board that I like go talk to and she kind of brings me down to like, okay, you know, this is, this is why things are the way they are, but here's some ways that we can help change it. So she, PJ is really part of the push for me to kind of 
break out of my fear shell and talk to you guys and and give the knowledge that I have to help create change in the wedding industry. Because it's not fear. You don't have fear. You have excitement. You just keep labeling it wrong. Right. Okay. I sound like a mom there. Yeah. See how that's why. No, it is. I am. I I am a little bit of afraid of the stuff that I'm trying to share and the shift I'm trying to make in the wedding industry because there's a lot of people who aren't going to like what I have to say. Right. Like a lot of people who are going to be like, oh, you're wrong. Well, see, when you get to be my age, which is a little bit older than you, um, (laughs) I've been married longer than you've been alive, but whatever, um, you're going to find out that you don't want to do it the way everybody's doing it. And it's okay for people. If you're, if people are telling you, you're doing it wrong, not everybody, but if you're getting that feedback from some people, that usually means you're doing it just right. And you're creating some really great, because you're walking your own path, Mm -hmm. which for me, like I want to be like where I, I want to break free of my own like oh I shouldn't do it this way oh, because so you're other right exactly <laughs> so I'm trying to be like okay it's okay that there's going to be a lot of people or at least some people who don't like me and don't like what I'm doing and it's fearful to put myself out there which is the same exact thing that we're telling couples right now that they should open themselves up to so we're shooting a little bit we are but in the in, in a, a more different helpful way. Yeah, hopefully hopefully in a more helpful way to encourage you to break free from the the expectations and the ideal pinterest wedding the yeah. ideal industry wedding which is around thirty five thousand dollars and book every single vendor because you should or do every single thing on this list because you should like break free from that and feel totally okay to it's your day be you Oh my gosh, Have you know day. what? Your day, your way. That oh. would make a great tagline It almost like it is. I think it might be. Okay. Yeah, well, be. maybe tell, tell them your business name and how to find you. And... Uh, so PJ Parsons Presents. You can find me at pjparsonspresents.com. You can find me on Facebook, PJ Parsons Presents. Um, well, and uh, where else am I? I'm on Instagram at PJ Parsons Presents. Did you notice the pattern there? And I think I might be on Twitter too, but I never go over there. It scares me a little bit. All right. So that was that. That was our first planning gathering interview and conversation. And I hope that if there is any one thing that you can take away from it, it is that it's okay to go against the grain and to politely decline the shoulds and the people who are shooting on you. Because at the end of the day, if you both enjoyed your wedding day and it told your story and it matched you and you enjoyed it, the people who matter in your family and friends are going to be supportive and they're also going to have enjoyed the day. So if you want to have some more information about PJ, I will put her links in the show notes. And then if you're ready to keep going and continue learning, you can head to our website, prudenceandsage.com for our blog and for more episodes of the podcast. I'd also love it. Seriously, you guys, I'm so just excited about the fact that there's many people who are already listening to this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I just didn't expect to actually have any listeners. So I appreciate all of you. And what I would love from you is if you are gaining something from this podcast, if you could share it, screen cap that you're watching it and post it in your Instagram stories, or just tell a friend. If you have a friend who you think will benefit from these insights and these stories, please share it with them. I would appreciate your support so that we can help continue to slowly but surely create some positive change in the wedding industry. So thank you for being here and we'll catch you next week.